Good morning, everyone. I praise the Lord for his church. I really, the, the moment I just stepped in, I felt God's presence in you. So praise his name. I'm so delighted to be with you among this morning. Uh, I really, before I start, I uh, thank Pastor Paul and I send him my congratulations for his MDev. He had MTS, now he finished MDev. He's a hero, actually. It's, uh, so, and uh, also, I'm very delighted for the leadership in this church. And um, Lord willing, in June 1st, if you will attend the seminars, uh, just pray, pray that the Lord will use this for his glory. And also, rest assured that I personally, by God's grace, take full responsibility of whatever I'm going to share with you about Muslims and Islam. I have one message. First of all, I'm not politically correct, but I'm biblically correct by God's grace. Love your Muslim friend and beware of the demonic ideology of Islam. And we'll, we'll see you in June 1st, Lord willing. Today's message entitled, They Need the Gospel Too. So, I put this picture here that I took somewhere. I will share about this later. And I'm asking you, what do we see here? Shoes, yes. What else? Different groups. What else? I'm sorry, I hope I'm not breaking the law of the church. You know, I'm just, I'm, so can you just speak up? Sunlight and shadow, wonderful. Grass. Okay, let's continue our journey. Let's open our Bibles at uh, Romans 10 and please stand up for the reading of the Word of God. Uh, just before I read, I'm, I'm Egyptian by birth, Canadian by choice, and Christian by grace. So please forgive my incorrect pronunciation, especially young generation. You know, my, my sons and my grandchildren actually are correcting my English. But let's read the word of the Lord. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law, the man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven 
That is to bring Christ down from above. Or, who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever, whoever, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they haven't believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they haven't heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. But I say, did Israel not know? First, Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. But Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who didn't seek me. I was made manifest to those who didn't ask for me. But to Israel, he says, all day long, I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Linking to the picture that I, I showed to you before we read, now we understand what does it mean, this picture. And by the, the way, those are fellow missionaries. We had a conference in Nairobi on the, one of the mountains. I just asked them, just to stretch out your beautiful feet because you are taking the good news for those nations. So that is the picture, that beautiful feet of the messengers of carrying the gospel to the darkest world. Righteousness that comes from God. This is the focus of this morning. But before I go to chapter 10 and those verses that we shared, I would love to just lay down a, a background about the epistle of Romans, to the Romans, that talks about that righteousness that comes from above. Its primary purpose was this epistle was sent to that church to believers. That's why we see in verse 7, to the saints, the saints has been set apart and separated who accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. So the message within this epistle is sent to the church, to the people, 
to you, to Grace Baptist Church. It wasn't that message or that epistle wasn't to correct false teaching because they had sound teaching. But the only thing that they were lacking is the direction, the apostolic direction or, or some guidance to understand those teachings. The church was doctrinally sound, like different than the other messages that Apostle Paul sent. Like, like he sent the first Corinthians and second Corinthians to a divided church and to Galatians to a, a, a like a fleshly church. And by the way, if we jump to Rome, uh, to the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and 3, you see those different type of seven churches that from the uh, compromising church to the corrupted church, different churches. That's why no wonder to see those churches, their lampstand has been shaken and replaced by uh, other things. Uh, maybe we can talk in more details in June first about that. But the church in Romans was following a sound doctrine, but it needs some clarification. That's why the first 11 chapters of the book, uh, the epistle to the Romans was doctrinal, uh, with the doctrinal uh, guidelines, and the following chapter was practical, how to take those doctrines and live it practically in, in, uh, in the world. So if we just summarize those doctrines that we can say it's God justifies guilty, condemned sinners by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, or sola bibia, sola fede, sola, you know, this is what Martin Luther just cried out uh, among the corrupted church in the uh, medieval ages. And we see those teaching, we like talk about the principle of spiritual leadership. Oh, by the way, you have those questions, you have to, to pay attention to those, because in order for you to reflect on those teachings, chapter one talks about principle of spiritual leadership and God's wrath against sinful mankind. Chapter two is principle of divine judgment. Chapter three, and four talks about the universality of sin and exposition and defense of justification by faith alone. So it uh, diagnoses the, the sickness or the disease and also it brings the remedy with it. Uh, chapter five, security of salvation, transference of Adam's sin also. Sanctification in chapter six and eight, chapter uh, nine sovereign election and God's plan for Israel chapter 11. And the second part, which is start from chapter 12 to 16, talks about the spiritual gift, practical godliness, uh, godliness and the believer's responsibility to human government and principle of Christian liberty. So just we summarize the episode of Rome now. But our focus is chapter 10. But before we go to chapter 10, we have to see the sequence of chapter 10 coming from 9 and ending to 11. And we can see here talks about the people of God, especially, namely Israel. Talks in chapter 9 about the past, chapter 10 present, chapter 11 the future of Israel. And when in the past we see 
How is he came to his own and his own received him not? Israel's rejection and God's purpose and Israel's rejection and God's, God's justice. Like Israel rejected the Lord. It was in his sovereign plan. And he used this rejection to extend the grace to us Gentile. And we can read this uh, about this more. And I'm going to jump to 11 and then come back to 10. Chapter 11 talks about that rejection is not total and it's not final. Now, let's land on chapter 10. And from verse 1 to 13, it shows Israel needs to the gospel. And then their action that they continue to reject the gospel. So I'm not going to talk about the rejection of the gospel now, but I'm going to talk about the need to the gospel. Israel need the gospel. If I set aside Israel and think about the other nations, they still need the gospel. And if we even narrow down our focus and see through the lens of the word of God, the Islamic nations or the Muslim people, still they need the gospel. And if we go further to apply the scripture on the Muslims, we definitely see that Muslims have zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. That's verse number two. Chapter 10, verse two. Muslims have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. They are seeking to establish their own righteousness, verse three. Not only this, but they are deceived. They are, they are good people. They are lovely people. But they are blinded. The God of this age has blinded their mind. They are following a, an ideology that is anti-Christ. Based on what I'm declaring this, based on 1 John 3 and 1 John 4. 1 John 4, 2 to 3 says, this is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that doesn't acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. So they deny the deity of Christ and they don't call on his name. That's the problem of the Muslim people. They have the, the, the God of this age has blinded their mind and is showing them alternative way away from the only way. Not only this, they deny the, the crucifixion. This is the Islamic teaching, denying the crucifixion. And who, who is against the cross? Who is against the cross? When, when Peter started to stop Jesus from going to the cross, what did Jesus tell him? Excuse me, Saint Peter, just get aside. 
get behind me Satan. Not only this, if we go to, to see their zeal here, let's say in Toronto, just for your information, we have 1.6 million, uh, sorry, uh, yes, 1.6 million Muslims here in Canada. Almost 50% are in the GTA at our doorsteps. And they have the zeal to God, but not according to the knowledge. So we see billboards everywhere. They are using media, and they ju just to make the propaganda of Islam. And not only this, they are not stopping at promoting Islam, but they are attacking Christianity. And just I'm giving you, just showing you a, a, a sample of, of the next slides of how is Jesus, the next, the next slide, please. Is Jesus God because they are attacking the deity of Christ? And then they say, Bible and Quran say no. Not only this, in their media, they are also attacking Christianity. And what they teach that one day, they believe that Christ Jesus is coming back. And the first thing that he will do, he will, what, what can you read? Break the cross. What's their problem with the cross? Who has the problem with the cross? But Satan. So the problem that they are cut in between. So for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Yes, to Muslims too. Yes. And for us, to, under, to, to be able to reach out to Muslims, we have to understand their ideology, their theology, and their uh, worldview. So Islam teaches that good works, only good works, and faith and, and mercy of Allah, will, they will give them unguaranteed, why it's unguaranteed? Because there is no guarantee in Islam to go to paradise except in one case, if they are killed as a murder in a jihad or, or fight in the, on, for the sake of Allah. That's why those poor young men who are like, uh, like suicide bombers explode themselves, they are so innocent. They love God in their opinion, their Allah. That's another thing we have to differentiate. Their Allah and our Yahweh, different. But they, they sincere and they want to please him to the end that they will kill themselves for his sake. That's why it's unguaranteed paradise, because it is based on doing. However, in Christianity, all of us, we know that, that God's grace through faith gives us the guaranteed eternal life plus the good work. Look, I want you to just make notes about the good work here and the good work in Christianity. The good work in Islam is buying a, a, a air miles point or something. You accumulate uh, you know, some good deeds here and there, and then they can use it to enter in paradise. However, it's not guaranteed. It's totally up to Allah. 
But in Christianity, the good works comes as a result of a new life that we have received from the Lord. And this takes us to, so is there a hope for Muslim people? Yes. Based on what? Based on the word of God. Whoever, whoever, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever, this is including whoever. But the question is, how then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? How? How shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach unless they are sent? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. So the question I will leave with you, do you see your feet here? Are you ready to join? I'm challenging you with the fact that we have clear responsibility. As people that God has given us the gift of salvation, he has elected us and chosen us to be his people. But also we were commanded to go preach the gospel to the end of the world. You don't have to travel overseas and serve as a missionary. You are a missionary here because the word has come here to your doorstep. So now what? We are reminded with our calling to go and make disciples. And making disciples takes two stages, by the way which is baptizing them. And baptizing is the evangelism or the numerical growth of the church. And God has adding to the church every day those who have been saved. This is the expansion. This is the, the horizontal expansion of the church. And the second part of the Great Commission is teaching them. And those people who come to the Lord, they have to grow and go be mature. And that's the qualitative growth of the church or the, or the vertical growth of that church. Fulfill the Great Commission and preach the word of God. Yes, to the Muslims too, yes. Faith comes by hearing. How do they hear without you sharing the gospel with them? Trust that his grace is sufficient. In verse 20, the same chapter says, 
I was found by those who didn't seek me. I was made manifest for to those who did not ask me. Brothers and sisters, it is time to bring your foot here and to boldly preach Jesus and him crucified. But in order to be motivated to do that, we have to understand, we have to know some also knowledge that beside being rooted in the word of God, also we have to understand what's going on around us. What's going on around us? You live here or your church is placed here in Richmond, uh, Hill and Vaughan. You are part of 32 other church. You are one of four Baptist church in Richmond Hill. And also, you have to understand how many mosques are there. So there are nine mosques surrounding you here within five kilometers diameter, one in Shia and eight Sunni mosques. It means that for every 3.6 churches, there is one mosque. Every 3.6 churches, there is one mosque. And for your understanding, here within five kilometers, you have two closing mosques, one Shia and one Sunni. The Nadwa Educational Islamic Center, this is a Shia one, and the other one, Jafari community, uh, th that one Sunni, this one is Shia. So Anadwa is Sunni, and those are some information about it, and you can access the website to understand, and to understand also what this, their mission, their mission is to serve Muslim community of Richmond Hill and provide Islamic teaching community services. Those are strongholds. Those are the strongholds. And also the second one, the Ja'afari is Shia, Ja'afari. And uh, just for your information, since 1960, that mosque of Ja'afari Community Center, since 1960, where was the church at that time? Some history start to build, expand, and go beyond. If you go beyond the five kilometers, you see other, like up to 18 kilometers, you see 20 plus mosques stretching to Toronto, North York, Markham, and Scarborough. And knowing all of this information, having the word of God between your hands, having your knees to pray for the nations, how can a Muslim call on the name of the Lord and why we are here? Just ask yourself this question. How can my Muslim neighbor, my Muslim co-worker, my Muslim uh, friend call on the name of the Lord. I will leave the challenge with you.